Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Well, good morning. Good morning. Is that intense? Does that make you want to climb Mount Everest? Well, it should. It should. We should all just pack up right now, take a flight to Nepal, and just land there and start ascending that mountain. Hey, we hope that you are having a great day. Just to clarify a couple of things, we will actually have um, a baptism class next Sunday, and then on the 24th, we will have baptisms, 24th, which is also our Vision Sunday. And so I want to pump you up for Vision Sunday. If you don't know what Vision Sunday is, it's it's the one Sunday in a year where we get the opportunity just to share with you what we believe God has called Luminous 2 for the whole entire year. And so last year was Risk. Everybody walked around in these cool Risk shirts. We talked about Risk all year long this year. I'm excited to share that vision with you. So be looking for that. That's also a great Sunday to invite maybe somebody new, somebody who is not a part of a church who you have been praying for. Maybe even this past week during this fasting and prayer time, you've been praying for a couple of people making a VIP list, a very important person list that you've been praying for. That would be the Sunday to bring them because that Sunday will be the best Sunday that we have all year. Guarantee it. It'll be the best Sunday we have all year. I promise you that it'll be worth their time if they come that Sunday. How many of you are a little skinnier this morning? Any, any hands? Yeah, I am because I was fasting all week. And as you're fasting all week, giving up food, or, or maybe you gave up Netflix. Maybe your mind is a little skinnier right now, or maybe a little larger because it's not consumed with so much junk. So anyway, all I'm saying is fasting's been good. We had a great time. We woke up 6 a.m. on the prayer calls. We've been praying all week together. Last Sunday, if you missed it, we gave a five-day journal that you could actually do a devotional and spend time with God, and we, we asked basically one question, what are you daring to believe God for this year? What are you daring to believe God for this year in your, in your family, in your own life, in your city, in your workplace, at your school? What are you asking him for? And we asked you to write those down. In fact, on the app, there's a question. What are you daring to believe God for? We would love to hear some of those responses this week. Today, I'm going to talk about legends. Dare to believe. If we're daring to believe, it's so audacious. So why not just, it's so big, so grandiose. Why not just talk about legends? And, and we, uh, we know all about legends. If you're from San Antonio, you know a legend. In fact, there's a legend on the San Antonio Spurs basketball team the old man river, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is a legend. He's going to bring us a sixth championship. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. I'm believing that. Man, legends are amazing, aren't they? Aren't they? Legends are awesome. I love legends. And legends, I have a lot of legends in my life. And, and as you grow in age, you begin to see legends a little bit differently. At six, I didn't, see, I didn't see Tim Duncan quite the same. He probably wasn't playing basketball then. So at six, of course, I didn't see him the same. At 16, I don't see legends the same. At 26, I don't see legends the same. And at 36, I probably won't see legends the same. You see, the longer you live, 
the greater appreciation you have for those who paved a way before you. Don't you? Like the longer you live, there's a greater appreciation. And in my life, I'm so fortunate because as a pastor, there's been three legends that I sat under in, in my time at Mid-Cities Church in Midland, Texas. The first one was Russ Austin. In 1982, the same year that I was born, Russ Austin moved his family to Midland, Texas to start a church. To start a church. He didn't know that many people. He didn't have that many contacts. He just went on faith. The Lord told him to go, so he went. He started sowing into this church, and after 17 years, this church grew to become 500. He moved in 1999 to Jacksonville, Florida, where now he started another church, and he dared to believe God that God would move, and out of his home, in a Bible study, multiple people started coming, hundreds upon hundreds, and eventually that church today is over 2,000 people. He's an amazing legend, an amazing man of God, an inspiration in my life. The next pastor that came to Mid-Cities was Kevin York. Kevin York just went to Abilene, Texas, planted a church. It was, it was thriving and booming and so amazing, running about 600 people there in Abilene, Texas. He moved to Mid-Cities where he grew the church from 500 to 1,000. Later, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where he was a part of Every Nation Churches where he began to oversee the office of every nation churches and oversee over hundreds of churches being planted all the time. Kevin York has done an amazing thing, and he, he has grown churches and done amazing things. He is a legend in my book. The last person took over mid-cities, and the pastor there, Daniel Stevens. Daniel Stevens was like a father to me. He took me under his wing and began to mentor me. In fact, it was, it was Daniel Stevens who took over this church and started doing amazing things. He actually sits on the board of our church, and he'll be here next month speaking. But Daniel Stevens took a church from 1,000 to over 2,700 today. And at the ripe age of 26, what a task. But he, he has paved the way and done amazing things. And when you're under legends, sometimes you can kind of take advantage of legends. Sometimes you, you say, well, you know, if they do it, it's, it's pretty easy, right? I mean, this guy did it, Russ did it, and then Pastor Kevin did it, and then Pastor Daniel did it. This is no problem. I'm going to go to San Antonio. We're going to plant a church. That's what we're going to do. It's what God spoke. But how many of you know it's actually legends aren't made just in a moment, but they're made over multiple steps and a journey? Multiple decisions. And as I was beginning to pray about San Antonio and Luminous Church and saying, this is what God put on our heart, and it seems so easy in hindsight. It seems so easy once you arrive, but, but the journey is quite difficult. In fact, going to my wife and saying, hey, babe, God's called us. And she agreed, God has called us. And I just said, hey, you're going to have to leave your mom here in Midland. And the place that you grew up for 30 years, you're going to have to leave that too. And you're going to have to leave all of your friends in Midland. And, and the girl, Martha, who's been cutting your hair since you were a little girl, and you won't let anybody else cut your hair, you're going to have to leave that too. You're going to have to leave your favorite nail salon. And you're going to have to leave so much. And saying to the love of my life that we have to dare to believe God to go.
We have to believe God. Not only were we leaving all that, we were leaving with a finite amount of resources and income. We were leaving with so many unknowns. We were leaving out of our network and it was starting over. Starting over. And yet along the journey, and many of you, many of you in this room have done the same thing. Where God told you about a land that he wanted you to walk into. And you dared to believe him for it. Some of you, it's school. Some of you, it's work. Some of you, it's a church. Some of you, it's a city. But God has called you to move and dare to believe him for that. It's a hard journey, isn't it? It's a hard journey, and that's what we've been praying and fasting about this last, past, this last week. We said we want our attention to be God attention. We want to focus all of our thoughts on him, so we're going to turn off the TV and silence our social media for a week to hear God, to dare to believe that he would speak. And what's amazing about legends, we look at them and say, if they did it, I can do it. If they did it, I can do it. If, if they went before, then I can go. For many of us in this room, we've seen that. We've seen many of us have legends and people we look up to. And in 1953, Edmund and Tenzing began to set out on a journey. And in 1953, they were pioneers of the time. They decided to overtake an obstacle in their life because anytime that God calls you to go somewhere, usually there's some opposition or some obstacles to get through because he's trying to get some character out of you so that when you arrive, you're better on the other side. Isn't that true, church? We find that so much. And Edmund and Tenzing were, were, knew all about obstacles because in 1953, there were so many people that attempted to conquer this same obstacle. 29,029 feet was this obstacle. It was the highest mountain ever, the highest mountain that exists. And they began to seek out to climb this mountain to be the first to the top. It started a voyage, and as they went up there, they began to climb this 29,029 feet, losing oxygen, oxygen along the way. No man has ever done it before. And as they got to the top, they celebrated with hugs and pictures and began to bury artifacts in there. And they had a moment of celebration, and then they made a decision. After that, it was in the 1980s that only 200 men had done this feat after them. But they were the ones who paved the way. Today, there's been a little over 5,000 people with new technology and those types of things to climb Mount Everest. They were legends. They are legends. They're, they're written in history books for what they have done. And today I want to talk about another legend. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, you can pull up your Bibles or your Bible apps. Legends are amazing. And this Bible is filled with legends. In fact, that's why I love it so much. I love the Bible because it stirs us. And it spurs us and it steers us to do what God has called us to do. I love the Bible. I love all that it is. I love the fact that we get to read about these men and these women who are just like you and me. 
They have trials. They have struggles. There's so many times that they could curse God, but they did not curse God. There's so many things that, that we can learn from the people in the Bible. In fact, it's, it's really why we're here today, to open the Bible, to be encouraged by the legends before us, to imitate their faith. In the book of Romans, Paul begins to write to a bunch of Romans who weren't Jews, who didn't grow up with this custom, and didn't, wasn't, they weren't as familiar with the legends as the Jewish people. But Paul begins to talk about one of these legends. He's called the father of our faith, and he's so amazing. In Romans 4, 20, 21, it talks about Abram. Abram, who was later renamed Abraham, meaning the father of nations, and it says this in verse 16. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. God brings things that are dead to life. God brings lifeless situations to life. We say this all the time every week that, that the good news is the fact that we didn't remain dead. We became alive and I shared the gospel. My father was talking in our 919 meeting with all of our volunteers about how he was able to share the gospel and talk about there is life in God. But to fully understand this, to fully articulate it, we need to hear about other people's experiences. We need to hear about somebody who is lifeless who came to life, don't we? Because if we hear about somebody who's lifeless who came to life, then maybe, possibly, we could believe it for ourselves. There's a young lady that I came across just a few years ago, and I'm going to read her story. Never read a long story before in here, so bear with me. I'll try to do it at as engaging as possible, because I think that this story is powerful. You see, this young lady is so amazing, but she had a life of partying, and she was much like you and me before we meet Jesus, where we begin to find pleasure in order, for, in order to find happiness. It says this, I often wondered why I had become a prodigal daughter. And up here she is, you'll see her, she is on the far right, and it's her smoking with Lenny Kravitz, which is pretty awesome. I often wondered why I had become a prodigal daughter. Life had, would have been much easier if I had chosen the right path. Today I understand that what the enemy meant for evil can always turn for his glory. My name is Shannon Oregon, and this is my story. I had a good home with a very loving parents and a best friend from birth, my twin sister, Teresa. I grew up in church and I always known Jesus. I knew all of the Bible stories and had memorized the books of the Bible. And somehow, in the best of circumstances, I began to make really bad choices. I didn't become a junkie overnight. But little by little, my life began to unravel. 
I began drinking and smoking marijuana and cigarettes by the age of 15. The party life continued all throughout high school. After graduation, I moved off to Amarillo, about an hour from home. I began waiting tables and getting into the drug scene. Started doing cocaine, LSD, ecstasy, and even tried heroin. By this time, I was using the needle. Cocaine really took hold on my life, and I caught my first possession charge when I was 23. I ended up on probation for three years. I barely made it, and I entered two treatment programs during my probation. and had to wear an ankle monitor to finish out my probation, as well as having to submit to drug tests. I tried to stay clean, but it never lasted long. I was soon introduced to speed, meth which offered me a longer high than cocaine. Also didn't come out down as hard. Meth opened up a new chapter of horrors in my life. Up until I was 28, I had nothing but the dope to live for, but then I got pregnant. And in June, I had a beautiful, healthy baby girl. Though I had stayed off meth during my pregnancy, it was not long before I resumed my old lifestyle. Two years later, got pregnant again, but quitting wasn't so easy this time. I was strung out as I continued to use during my whole pregnancy with my son. My mom would plead with me to quit, but I would just lie about what I was doing. And at the end of my pregnancy, I wanted to die thinking that I hurt this innocent child inside of me. I was scared to death, but by God's grace and love, I gave birth to a healthy, eight-pound, three-ounce boy named Christian. God had a plan. When one is bound in addiction, it is like drowning. I felt so helpless about everything in my life. As I spun out of control, there seemed to be no way out. Then the Lord's plan for my life began to unfold. Only when I had gotten to the end of myself could he step in. It began when my grandmother wrote me a letter saying she was old and ready to go home to be with the Lord. But the uncertainty of my salvation was weighing on her. She told me she had been praying for me and the Lord was going to send someone my way to witness to me. My grandmother lived thousands of miles away and had no way of knowing what was beginning to happen. Then a few weeks, the youth pastor and my daughter's Sunday school teacher showed up at my door to share the gospel with me. Also, three guys who had been my friend who had been my friends and had been involved in drugs and had just gotten out of a faith-based rehab program for men. They had all gotten saved and began to tell me about Mission Messiah in Odessa, Texas. But it was going to take more than that for my life to change. My grandmother was in Oregon and was dying. So my mom, my sister, and my nephew had traveled to be with her. My sister thanked her for all her prayers and responded in a soft, dying voice. I'm not through praying yet. I believe her last prayers were for my salvation. That same weekend, I was busted with meth in my home, which was inside a school zone. Father came and got my children. That night, as I lay in jail, I knew my life was about to change. Three months later, I was at Mission Messiah with both my children. Soon decided to let God take control of my life because so far, on my own, I made a complete mess of everything. 
I successfully completed the Mission Messiah program. Now I'm completely sold out. Die hard, Jesus freak. Before I met Christ, my life was so polluted and contaminated by the world that I thought there was no hope for me. I was convinced I was going to be just another statistic. Today, I am a statistic, a statistic of hope. The Lord has come in and completely changed me from the inside out. My life is so rich. I've become the mother that I always dreamed of. And I've become the daughter that my mom always hoped for. I've become a woman of integrity and virtue. I've become a true daughter of the Most High God. Shannon approached me just a few months after graduating that program. As I was a youth pastor, she said, I want to help change lives because my life has been changed. She came up to me and she said, I want to start serving youth and I want to start serving this ministry and I want to give back. I want to do something for God. She started serving and we had so many memories together. Started praying for her husband, started praying for her family, started loving her kids. And man, she has done an amazing job. She started discipling and helped discipling a young lady named Marianne. Marianne, in this picture, you'll see Pastor Ben's eyes closed, but Marianne, she is awesome. She's now in full-time ministry, and Shannon's one of those women who got to point her towards Jesus. As my wife and I began to be friends with Shannon and, and do life with her, we began to pray for her husband. God, bring Shannon a husband and bring, bring a dad to these kids. Seven years after she started serving in ministry, she met a man named Randall. Just a couple of years ago, I had the honor and the privilege to officiate Shannon and Randall's wedding. And now they have a happy family with two crazy teenagers. So they need God's grace. But how many of you know that Shannon knows what it looks like for someone dead to come to life? This is what Jesus does. It's what he does over and over again in our lives is that he resurrects dead things and he brings life to them. Life to them. God also calls into existence the things that do not exist. And that's what Shannon's grandmother knew. That that which doesn't exist, Shannon not serving the Lord yet, I'm not okay with. Because the Lord says she will serve the Lord. And she prayed, even on her deathbed, that Shannon would come to know Jesus. That weekend, God moved. God moved. Because God always moves. He always moves on our behalf. In verse 18, chapter 4, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. My question to you is, is there a hopeless situation in your life? Is there a hopeless situation that you're in? Is there a hopeless situation that you find yourself in? Is there a hopeless situation maybe that you're believing for a friend? Abraham believed against that hopeless situation. I believe that we need to hope past that as well. In verse 19 and 20 says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Everybody say, that's old. Or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb, 
No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Unwavering in God's promise. I'm amazed by my two-year-old lately. My two-year-old, he's just amazing because once he fixes his eyes on something, he doesn't let it go. You know, if I fix my eyes on something, I'll, if, if it's too difficult or there's too much op- obstacles or I'm getting too many spankings, then I'm just going to go move to something else, right? But not my two-year-old. My two-year-old, man, he is resolute. He knows how to overcome. He is amazing. He just got these new cars, and he loves these cars. And right before we put him to bed the other night, he put this car on his nightstand. Well, the next morning, as I go and get him, what does he have in his hand? That car. It's crazy. This guy does not let things go. He is unwavering. Why is it that we're tossed to and fro in the waves so often? Why do we move this way and that way? Luminous, let's be a people that are unwavering. He grew strong in his faith. He grew strong in his faith. This has been speaking to me all week. He grew strong in his faith. How many of you have done the Tim Tebow? Any Tebowing in here? Right? Any Tebowing in here? Do y'all remember that? It wasn't that long ago. You don't like it? Okay. Tim Tebow, sit there. Oh, man, it's so powerful, and his biceps are amazing. So extra powerful. You know what's amazing? Tebow's criticized all over the media, all over the world for doing this, for putting his faith on display before all people. But all Tim Tebow is doing is giving God glory for how God made him and what he's doing. And in fact, in your life, if you're to grow in any type of faith, you have to give God glory. You have to give God glory. And you don't have to Tebow in the hospital this week, you know, when you're seeing the patients. Yes, that was a good one. You don't have to do that, but you do have to give God glory. You have to give him glory, and as you give him glory, you increase in faith. Isn't that what it just says? That's what it said, that he increased in his faith by giving God glory, by giving God glory. So how are you giving glory to God this week? Well, many of you, all of you showed up here today to give God glory. Isn't that what we sing? You're glorious. You're glorious. Your name is glorious. That's giving God glory. Did you give God glory for the raise? Did you give God glory for for the next promotion? Did you give God glory for your family? Did you give your God, God glory today when you woke up and you had one more breath in your lungs? Did you give God glory? And as you do that, from glory to glory, strength to strength, brings a faith that we so desperately need. So if you lack faith, maybe you should start glorifying God in the season that you're in right now. Maybe you should say, God, you get all the glory. You get all the glory. You get all the glory. In my bad, you're still good. Verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. No, pay attention, verse 24, but for ours also. Everybody say mine. Everybody say yours. It'll be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I love Abraham because Abraham had this thousand year faith on him. 
He had thousand-year faith, not weak faith, not day faith. He had thousand-year faith. He was believing for a promise that was so many thousands of years away from him to the one who was going to come. That's amazing faith. And you know what? I'm, we may know what happened yesterday. And we may know what happened right now in this moment. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The only thing that we can take to the bank, the only thing that we can be sure of is that Jesus will be there. The only thing that's in tomorrow that I know for certain is Jesus is there. Hebrews 13, 8. He's the same, yes, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know what will happen to my family. I don't know what will happen to my workplace. I don't know what will happen to this economy or this nation or anything else. But you know what? In light of Jesus, does it really matter? Because if he's there, I'm okay. I'm okay. And that's the kind of faith that Abraham had. And not only him, but his wife too. Sarah believed just like Abraham. Although she laughed in disbelief. You know, we, we look at that like, man, she had no faith. She laughed. No, she just laughed because it was hysterical. I'm 90. How's this going to happen? But we know she had faith. Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. He is faithful. Consider him faithful, church. Did you ever consider that he would be faithful to you as well? Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead, were born descendants, as many of the stars of heaven, as many of the, as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. His promise is for us too. And if they do it, we can do it. He did it. I can do it. Tenting and Edmund had two sons. And on the 50th year anniversary of climbing Mount Everest in 2003, Jamling and Peter went on a voyage and they ascended and made it 29,029 feet. And they said, if my father can do it, I can do it. If he paved the way, we can do it. Shannon's story has inspired dozens of women in this program, and I've seen dozens of women come lifeless into a program, leaving with life because they found the gospel of Jesus. And they looked to Shannon and they said, she can do it. I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. If Abraham could have thousand-year faith, we can too. A father of faith, Abraham believed, and it was accredited to him as righteousness because, because, everybody say because. David, come help me close out. Because his father, God, had a son. And this son climbed a mountain that you and I couldn't climb. And although there was much opposition and many people told God's son, don't go, don't climb the mountain. Don't do it. You won't make it. Stay with us. It's safe here. This is where you should be. He dared to believe anyway. And he climbed a mountain called Golgotha. And he ascended to the top. And on the ascension, there he paid for my righteousness and Abraham's unrighteousness. 
and Shannon's unrighteousness and your unrighteousness. He paid for our unrighteousness and he made us righteous. Because not only did he ascend, but he descended to death. And in his descension to death, he took the keys that held death. And he took them back and he said, I'm going to breathe life into lifeless situations. Just like I did with Shannon Oregon, just like I did with Ben Chapman, just like I did with Abraham, just like I did with Chase and Alyssa, just like I did with Christian and Tiffany. I'm going to bring life to lifeless situations. And church, if you believe this today, will you stand up with me? That God is going to bring life to lifeless situations. And maybe you feel a little lifeless today. Maybe you're beat down a little day. Maybe you've been living on a different faith today. Let's stand together and believe on a faith that Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he said he would do. And he's conquered death and conquered the grave. Can we give God a big hand? Thank you, Cassie. Can we give God a big hand? Because God is good. He is faithful. He is amazing, church. And if you're in this room today and you came in lifeless and you've never tasted and seen that God is good, you never tasted and seen Jesus, you never tasted and seen the gospel for your life, today your story can be just like Shannon's story. Today your story can be just like Abraham's story. You would place faith in Jesus. And so church, if you would join me in praying for those we're feeling called, feeling like maybe, maybe God wants that for me too. Maybe I'm in that story. Maybe, maybe he wrote me in his story. If that's you in here in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to today, raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. And just cry out to him. And your prayer would look something like this. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for living the life that I couldn't live. I'm jacked up. I'm sinful. I'm unrighteous. But I believe and have faith. And God, if there's unbelief, help it. And I believe in you, Jesus. And I confess that you are Lord. And so come live inside of me and make me new. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the faith in this church. Thank you for what you're doing in everybody's life. God, at Luminous this morning. God, those who call this home and those who are just visiting. We pray that this word, that this service would be a blessing to both. Jesus, you're amazing. You're amazing. God, let us give glory to you this week. Let us be a church that our light would shine before all men, that the world may know that you are good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything on your way out, we would encourage you. Come get prayer from a prayer worker up here at the altar. Come get prayer. Can't wait to see you for our conclusion next week. We love you. Have an amazing week. You are dismissed.
you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org.